All right, now let's continue with what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, God in the dark. Um, we have been doing this series about doubt. See, see, we recognize all of us struggle with doubt. Those of you that believe in Jesus and those of you that do not, we all will struggle with questions where, our, where we're in two minds, where we're not quite sure. We know there are days that you will, that you will wake up and you'll just go, God seem, seems in the dark. God seems invisible. God seems like, I feel like when I'm praying, I'm just praying and it's bouncing off the walls. There's times where you have those thoughts in your head where you just go, am I taking crazy pills or is it really true that a God that created this universe would actually know me and care about me? We all have those thoughts at one time or another. Every one of us do. And most of the time what we do is we beat the crap out of ourselves for it. And we just, we get scared. We wonder, oh, I'm not supposed to think those thoughts. That's bad. But what if, what if this was just part of the journey, the journey that God has us on? A journey of faith that God has us on. There's the writer of Hebrews wrote about faith and he says this in chapter 11. He says, now faith means putting our full confidence in the things we hope for. That means being certain of things we cannot see. How fun is it in the times of our life when we have full confidence of the things we hope for and we are certain of the things we cannot see? Man, those are great days. But there are days when that's not the case. There's days where I don't have full confidence in the things that I hope for. There's times where I am not certain of the things I cannot see. And when those times come, when doubt starts to come in, what do we do? What we have been wanting to do in this series is help every one of us to recognize that God wants to be on this journey with us. He is not condemning us. He is not looking at us saying, how dare you? He knows that when there are things that we cannot see and things that we are hoping for, there's going to be times where we're not certain about them. And he wants to walk with us in that. He wants to journey alongside us. The one thing we do not want to do in this series at any point in the ne next week, this week, or anything we've done before is we do not want to give you the perfect, simple, little answer to doubt. Here's the way you're not going to doubt anymore. Because if you doubt like I've doubted in my life too, you, it, it, any simple answer is fingernails on a chalkboard. You just go, that doesn't help because this is a deep-seated feeling that I've got inside. And I've got to address this. And I don't know what to do with this. And so we want to talk about the journey in that and not just some simple answer to it. Okay? So let's walk together as we continue to look at doubt. We've been talking a lot about the doubts that we have in our minds. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about the doubts that we have in our hearts. Father, I want to pray this morning that you would be with us. I'm going to pray that in the midst of this topic, where in a lot of ways we start to question even our trust in you, God, we want to pray that you would meet us in that. We thank you that, you're, that this isn't daunting to you. We thank you that you don't press away from this, that you don't shake your head at this, but you walk with us in it. And so walk with us in it this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want to first look at, look at what this writer wrote about, a guy named C.S. Lewis. I don't know how many of you guys have ever heard of a guy named C.S. Lewis, but he's one of the great theologians of our generation, okay? Uh, he was a British theologian that wrote some great books. The, the Chronicle of Narnia the series is, is one that so many people, young and old, has, have taken steps closer to Jesus as a result of, of his work. When he wrote Mere Christianity, millions of people 
read that book and it helped them take steps closer to Jesus as a result. Well, C.S. Lewis, what some people don't know is that he also struggled with doubt in his life. He also questioned as he was learning more about Jesus. He questioned along the way and he wrote about that. Well, this is one of the things he wrote. Man, I think this just so speaks to us. He says, I think the trouble with me is a lack of faith. I have no rational ground for going back on the arguments that convince me of God's existence, but the irrational dead weight of my old skeptical habits and the spirit of this age, man, we all know the spirit of this age where sometimes you're just going, man, I don't get it, God. I don't get where you're at. The spirit of this age and the cares of the day steal away all my lively feelings of truth. And often when I pray, I wonder if I'm not posting letters to a non-existent address. Man, how many of us can relate to that? Just posting, posting letters to a non-existent address. Mind you, I don't think so. The whole of my mind is convinced that God is present and real, but I often feel so. See, what he's saying is sometimes our doubts originate here. And and logically, we're thinking through it. We're just going, this isn't making sense. But sometimes our doubts originate from here. And we're just going... I just don't feel like, like you're there. Or sometimes you'll see things that happen in this world, another school shooting in California this weekend. And you just go, come on, God, where are you? Where, where in our hearts, we're questioning it. Or, or, or you've been disillusioned by something or disappointed by God. You've been hurt because you just go, man, I, I thought for sure that you were hearing me and this would happen and it didn't. Or I didn't want this to happen, and it did. And so in your heart, you're just going, man, I hate it that this feeling is here, but I start to question, are you here? Man, we want to talk about that a little bit more. What happens when when our hearts start to, to, in a lot of ways, kind of betray our, our faith? What do we do then? My dad and I were in a conversation. My dad and I, my dad and I uh, when I was 21 years old, he took, us, he took each of the boys on a trip to California to go play golf. Um, he wanted to take us to the very best courses in California. And so, so uh, he took each one of us on our own trip down to California. So one year, when I was 21, he took me down there to California. Um, on our way down, a total side note has nothing to do with the sermon, uh, which I never do, but today I'm going to do once. Um, he, on our way down, I felt this massive sting on my leg right here. And I thought, oh my gosh, I got stung by a bee. I'm allergic to bees. I'd have to go to the hospital. There was no EpiPens back then. And so I'm going, dad, I think I got stung by a bee. As it turned out, I didn't. There was no bee sting. There was nothing. And I turned to my dad and I said, dad, what if my twin brother, John, I said, what if John got stung by a bee right at that moment? How weird would that be? Because it felt just like it. And dad said, man, that would be weird. And so a week later, I come back home and I come to John and I said, John, last week on Thursday, did you get stung by a bee right there? And he goes, uh-uh. So anyway, so, so, um, so, so dad and I are heading down to California. You guys think that because we're twins, we have these weird powers. We don't, we're normal. We just look the same. Um, my dad and I go down, we get down there and we go to this restaurant this Span- in, in, in Spanish Bay. And when we get there, I asked my dad, I said, dad, tell me, um, tell me about your faith. 
I was fired up about my faith. I was, I was at the University of Washington. I, was, I had just kind of discovered Jesus in my life in college. And I was reading scripture and I was singing the songs. And, and it was a perfect question for me. Dad, tell me about your faith. Well, my dad grew up Catholic and, and he went to Catholic grade school. He went to Gonzaga Prep to Seattle U. He, he, we went to mass every single Sunday. Um, but here's one of the things I've, I've always respected about my dad when it came to that. He wasn't going through the motions. See, my dad was wrestling. My dad has always been wrestling with his faith. And so I, I wanted to ask him more about that. Dad, tell me more about your faith. And he said something to me. I'll never forget it. He said, he said Bill, he said, I prayed some important prayers. And he said, each time I prayed them, it felt like not only did God not hear them, but it felt like I was, it was landing on the ground. It was just landing there with nothing it didn't even feel, it didn't, I couldn't even conclude that God just didn't hear it. I didn't even know if God was even there to hear it. And he said that my, my, when you have enough of those in your life, you start to question. And when you have enough of those in your life, you start to doubt. Well, 21-year-old me, I wanted to rescue my dad from his doubt. I wanted to hurry in there and tell him, Dad, you know, God's answer to prayer is yes and no and maybe and wait and all kinds of stuff. I wanted to rescue my dad from his doubt. But the reality was I didn't want to hear that doubt because that was threatening my faith. And so I wanted to fix it. 30 years later, almost 30 years later, I think I would do it differently now. I think I would just say, Dad, let's, let's, let's walk together in this. Let's, let's journey together in this. Let's, let's talk more about it. I say, let's pray about it, even in the midst of your doubts around that. Let me share with you some of the times that I'm questioning too, and let's walk together in this. And the reason why I would do that now is, one, I'm not nearly as threatened by doubt anymore, but also because that's what Jesus did. Over and over again, when his disciples continued to doubt, and they did over and over, it seemed like every time Jesus did something really powerful, that says, and some believed and some doubted, or the, the disciples doubted. And there's, there's always that part to it as well, where they're just skeptical of what's happening. They're wondering what's happening. And every time they did, Jesus just kept walking with them. When Peter doubted on the water, Jesus reached his hand in, pulled him out of the water, and he says, man, you don't have to doubt. And then he kept journeying with him. When Thomas doubted, doubted at the very end, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, Jesus just walked with him. When those guys doubted, when Jesus was sending them all off at the end, where he says, now go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them all, I have to, all I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always to the end of the age. And it said, some believed. And some doubt, and Maurice talked about last, that, that last week, and Jesus sent them all out anyway. Why? Because he wanted to continue to journey with them. He just wanted, he wants this journey to continue. He understands that there's times where we will not be certain. He understands that there's times where it won't be clear. And he wants to walk with us in it. Look at this one passage that, that happened also right after Jesus um, rose from the, from the dead. See, he, he, he rose... And, and he appeared to some people on this road to Emmaus. He appeared, he appeared to these women. And, and then they brought their, their, what they had seen, their witness. They brought it back to the rest of the, of the disciples. And then the rest of the disciples are trying to figure out what in the world they're talking about. And it says this, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and, the thought, and, and thought that they were seeing a ghost. 
You guys, that's not, that's not just Luke writing that out, just going, and, and you know, it's just this kind of, they probably thought they were seeing a ghost. They were, they were terrified. They thought they must be seeing a ghost. And Jesus said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Man, I love that. Jesus is already assessing the situation. He knows what's going on. He doesn't say that annoyingly. He doesn't say that with a, how dare you doubt? I just rose from the dead. How dare you doubt? Now he's seen this their entire life. And he's going, uh-oh, how come, how come uh, doubts are arising in your hearts? And then he says something really powerful that we're going to talk about a little bit later. He says, look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. See, Jesus knows. Jesus knows that these guys are carrying a wound. They're carrying a wound that is, that is affecting their heart. He knows where their doubts are coming from. We always talk about Jesus on the cross and the wounds that he experienced. Very few times we talk about the wounds that his disciples experienced because they were right there. They watched the whole thing happen. They saw the cat and nine tails that ripped into Jesus' flesh and they saw the crown of thorns that had the blood drip down his face. They saw the nails in his hands and his feet and they were wounded. You know what that's like? You know what that's like when you see a, a, a close friend, when you see if someone, uh, someone that you love going through pain, you're wounded by it. You know that wound. It feels like an open wound. And they were wounded by that. They saw that and it inflicted something on them. And then they saw him breathe his last and Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea climb up there and they pull that body off of the cross and they bring him to a tomb and the Roman soldiers roll that rock in front of the tomb and it sealed his death, sealed it. And that left a wound on those guys. That's their conclusion. That was an open wound. And so now here comes Jesus appearing in this room and their response to it is it must be a ghost and Jesus immediately identifies that as doubt because he knows what's happening. He knows that whenever there's a wound, when we have a wound in our lives that has not been addressed and has not been healed, when we have that wound, we protect ourselves. We go into a protection mode. We say, man, I'm not going to let anybody near that. I'm not going to let anybody touch that because it's going to hurt even worse. We protect ourselves from it. And what happens is in our protection from that wound, we, begin, we take out an insurance policy and that insurance policy is doubt. See, if we can keep ourselves from believing that's true, then we don't have to step any closer to it. And it's, and it's safer. It's safer at this distance. And so Jesus is here and he's, he appears. And of course, he's, he sees these guys and they think it's a ghost because, man, that's their insurance policy. That's their doubt to their open wound. And Jesus wants to speak into that open wound because he knows that our wounds can keep us from stepping closer to truth. Every one of us have them. Every one of us have wounds. We all have things from our past that, we, we, that have happened to us that we have buried. And man, are we good at burying. We're so good at burying the wounds. So they just, they just live in our past. But then all of a sudden they show up out of nowhere. You're just going, where did that come from? And we, we find ourselves pushing away from it. Some of you guys have wounds from, from parents or from family members that have hurt you. 
They've said something here. They've done something to where now you have, you've pushed away from family. You can't trust that, that paternal voice in your life. You can't trust that. And so, so here comes some doubt and we separate ourselves from it. Some of you have wounds from, from, from work, from, from a boss that, where your justice meter went off and then a boss went, got all over you for something. You're just going, this is not fair. And when you leave that job, you're wounded. And you get into the next job and what do you do? The first thing that happens, you find yourself hesitant to, to give into authority, to an authority figure. You, you doubt that. And we, and we separate ourselves from it, from that voice. Some of you have wounds from friendships that have stabbed you in the back. Friendships that have hurt and you've stepped away from it now and now it's harder for you to engage in friendships because you can't trust. Because that person once said friend and they stabbed you in the back. You know, I see that a lot of times. I see a lot of times that in post-college students. Because we see a high school student or a college student that struggled with friendships in those years or friendships that have betrayed them through their college years or they leave college and those friendships just went off to someplace else and they feel alone, they feel betrayed, they feel like they've been stabbed in the back and now you gotta get to know some other people and now you gotta, you gotta Maurice and Aisha do young adult stuff around here and you do young adult stuff and you're going, but I'm guarded. Can I trust that relationship again? Can I trust that? I don't know. And so you kind of pull away. You might go to an event, but you're not going to engage in the event because that's dangerous because it might open or it might have someone touch a wound that I've never had addressed. And so we keep it at arm's distance. Some of us have wounds from church. Jim and I have been, our eyes have been so wide open now to church hurt and the people that have had church hurt in their past People that have come into church where they're saying, this is going to be about me and God. And they've trusted the people around them. And then all of a sudden something happens where someone says something or does something where you're going, I don't trust you anymore. And if I don't trust you anymore, this is affecting me and God. And there's some serious church hurt that comes from that. Some of you guys have church hurt from what's happened up here in front, from somebody that's up here in front. Maybe you came into church and you're saying, man, I just love how that person's speaking into my marriage and I need that person to speak into my marriage. And you're trusting that person to speak into your marriage and then they have an affair and you're hurt because you're going, wait, I trusted that and that was helping me and God and me and my relationship and, that, and now you're hurt. I know there are some of you, some of you women in this room that have been in churches where you have grown in your position of leadership and you've seen where you've had a voice and a place in a church where you can actually help and walk other people in their relationship with the Lord. And then all of a sudden you get this, you get somebody saying, well, you've reached your cap. You can't lead any more than this amount. And there's hurt there. Man, on a side note, I sure hope that you never feel that here because we believe it is biblical that God looks at every one of us, male and female, and says, you have a place of leadership, even the very, even to lead a church. But you have hurt and you've walked away and maybe you've come back and you've come back maybe to a place like here. And you've gone, okay, now maybe this is where I'm, I'm finding healing from my church hurt. But, but, if we haven't really addressed that, that pain, that open wound, then here's what happens. You're always waiting for something 
to reaffirm that hurt. You've come in here and you're going, I'm just waiting. What's the one thing he's gonna say that's gonna make me wanna walk out? What's the one thing that somebody's gonna do that's gonna make me wanna walk out? You're ready to bolt at the first sign of somebody touching that open wound. Because it's wounds that haven't been healed and it leads us to doubt. How does that not get into our relationship with the Lord? Even those ones that I just described, you're afraid of a paternal relationship and God's coming to you saying, man, I wanna be your heavenly father. You're afraid of authority in your life and God's saying, I wanna be the authority in your life. You're afraid of friendships and God's saying, I wanna be your friend. You're afraid of the church and God's saying, the church is my bride. And so you're going, okay, even those things, those unaddressed wounds, that's, that's helping me step away. Wow, God, you're, I'm associating you with all that too. And then when you add to it things like my dad's story, where it's a prayer that was not answered or was something powerful that, would need God, that dad, my dad needed to happen and didn't, and you're disillusioned by God, and that wound is wide open. And so we hold him at a distance. And a lot of times the doubt on our heart wins. And here's what's so weird about it. We press away to guard our hearts. And the very person we're pressing away from wants our hearts exactly the way they're sitting. That very person that we're pressing away from, Jesus wants us and wants our hearts, all of it. He wants our, our worst he wants our best. He wants, he wants the times where we are not trusting him. He wants that. The times where we are, he wants that. The times where we fully believe and we have full confidence, he wants that. The times where we have no confidence, he wants that. See, Jesus, Jesus so loves our hearts that he's going, man, don't fix it. Don't try to fix it. No, just recognize I'm stepping to you. I want to touch your wounds. I have the power to heal. I have the power to overcome. And I want to touch that wound. Will you let me do it? It might be painful. Will you let me do it? And here's the most powerful piece of all with it, is that, is that Jesus knows that the number one way that we're going to experience healing from the wounds of our past, the number one way is for him to come to us and say, feel my wounds. If there's anybody that knows wounds, it's me. Feel my wounds. You need to know how real this is. Feel my wounds. You need to know that I have the power to overcome. Feel my wounds. You need to know that I have, I have the, the power to heal, feel my wounds. I get you. I don't want to walk with you. And I want to take this journey with you towards healing. He wants right there at the very thing that's keeping us from him. Do we see that? Or do we just keep pressing away? Erwin McManus wrote about this. I love what he says. He says, he says, he says, beyond despair, there must always be hope. Beyond betrayal, there must be a story of forgiveness. Beyond failure, there must be a story of resilience. 
If the story ended at the cross, it might be a story worth telling, but that story could never give life. Only the resurrection makes the crucifixion what it is for all of us who are marked by the cross. My wounds have been healed, and I can heal your wounds. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to recognize that you're not alone in this and that we're, every one of us have them. And then we need to address them. We do a great job of burying them, but we've got to address them because they're going to come up at one time or another. My, my, my son played football for Monarch High School, was a very successful football player there, but in the last game of his senior year, he, he, a guy came in and hit him in the elbow and it tore his ligament in his elbow. And, and we had the choice in that moment, do we get surgery for him and, have it, and, and try to get it fixed right now or will it heal on its own? And the doctor said it's 50-50 on whether it would heal on its own. And we decided to let him go and, and just let it get healed on its own so that, so that he could continue to play football and rugby and, and golf and anything else he wanted to do the rest of that year. And now it's been four years later and Jack can't throw a baseball without a massive twinge in his elbow because it hasn't healed. It's just been buried. Well, that doesn't have to do with football. It doesn't matter. It just comes up and it starts to affect other areas. And that's the, he, that's the wounds that we have that, that haven't been healed. And so he's saying, we need to bring those out, bring those to the surface. I need you to bring them to me. That's the first thing he wants. He wants to, I need you to bring them to me. I need you to be honest with me. Tell me how my father, tell me how I have, have, have blown it with you. Tell me that you have been super disappointed with me. Tell me that you question. Tell me that you have no trust. Tell me that your prayers are bouncing off the walls. None of that's going to affect us. None of that will. In fact, it's going to be something positive because I'm going to walk with you in it. And now you're inviting me to put my hand on your wounds. Bring those to the surface. Bring them to me. He's saying, bring them to other people. You know, we've got, we've got core groups here and, and, and a lot of you guys have stepped into core groups and, and it's just sharing life on life with each other. It's not a therapy session, but it's a chance for you to be able to say, here's a wound and I need to bring it to the surface. I've been buried, this thing has been buried for 20 years and I need to bring it to the surface because it's affecting the way I'm seeing other people and it's affecting the way I see the Lord. Some of you need to step into those types of situations where you can actually share those with other people. And some of you need to go beyond all of that. Some of you need to go seek some professional help. You will hear this over and over again around here. We so believe in professional help in therapists and counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists. We believe in professional help. And the reason why is because we see that a friend can ask a question that's a layer deep. You're in the, you've got some, some, some uh, wound that hasn't healed. A friend can ask something that's a layer deep. Maybe a pastor, maybe a teacher can ask something that's two layers deep and get a little bit further in. But then you, get to see, you go see somebody that has been trained and know how to do this. They can ask questions that are three and four layers deep. They can ask questions where you're going, wow, I had no idea that that was the origin of what I'm dealing with now. And that's bringing stuff that's deep under the surface, under, under perfected layers of, of protection to the surface. 
And maybe some of you need to do that. We've got, some, we've got a, a list of people that we can refer you to if that's what you need to do. You guys, I spent 20 years with Jim Rabin, a clinical psychiatrist from Boulder that, that for 20 years, every month, spoke into my life and spoke into the things that I had buried deep, spoke into the stuff that needed to come to the surface, and it radically affected my marriage. It radically affected my relationship with the Lord as every single month, Jim would speak into those things and ask fourth layer questions. Some of you might need to do that because we have to bring this stuff to the surface if we're truly going to want to draw closer to, to each of those places and closer to the Lord. Now, here's one more thing that we got to think about. We got to recognize the difference between a wound and a scar because scars can happen when wounds are healed. When a wound is healed, it can leave a scar and scars become part of the story of our life. I have a scar right here from fifth grade when a baseball was coming down. I was in the outfield and it landed between these two fingers and shot this one straight sideways. I got a scar from that. That's part of my story. I've got a scar for right here because I was playing kick the can and my cousin Pat ran right into me and his tooth hit my eyebrow. I've got a scar from that. I got a scar right here from an ACL reconstruction. This one, back when I had ACL reconstruction, they tore apart your knee. And so they, there's a massive scar down there. When I touch this one, it's sensitive. It's still healed, but it's sensitive. You guys, when I was doing college ministry for those 20 years, my wife was right next to me doing it. Jackie was doing college ministry too. And she'd stand before all of our college students. And we had a mob of college students. And she'd stand before them and she'd share her story. And, and she, she probably shared her story in front of thousands, truly thousands of college students. And every time she did, I knew it would bring tears because I knew it was, it was, it was, it was revealing wounds. In most of these college girls, it was revealing wounds. She'd tell her story, and part of her story was that her freshman year in college, she, she and her boyfriend, they felt like they needed to go one step further, so she gave up her virginity at that point to her boyfriend, her freshman year in college. She shares that to all of, her, all of those students, and she shares about the loneliness. She shares about the, the what do I do. She shares about have I, have I messed up and have I blown all the thoughts that she has around it. She shares of all of those feelings, and that's where a lot of the tears come from. And then when she meets with those girls and they'll talk about their open wounds, she, she'll talk about the difference between a wound and a scar. That yes, there's a scar there and that, that she's sensitive to it and that's why there's tears when she shares it. But she shares, I've been healed. She, she shares, I have, I have recognized the, the, that Jesus came to me and touched it and said, I give you my forgiveness and my mercy and my redemption and I'm making you whole again. And Jesus touches that wound as she touches Jesus' wound. And now she tells that story. And she shares of those scars. And she says, it's not, a, it's not evidence of foolishness. It's evidence of redemption. It's not evidence of faithlessness. It's evidence of faithfulness. A faithfulness, not only her faithfulness, but especially the Lord's faithfulness. She, see, the, the script is flipped. The, it, normally what we have is the wound is at the top. And then under that wound is then God. And we're going, well, the wound is still there. So God, I question if you're there and what results is doubt. But Jesus can flip the script if we allow him to. 
And when he touches that wound and when he, when he can, and can overcome, now all of a sudden, see, God's at the top. And this problem is underneath that. But we see it from God's perspective. And in the end, we see faithfulness rather than doubt. See, this, the script is flipped. Jesus wants to go on that journey with us. He knows those wounds don't heal in it can heal in a miraculous way, but he knows that over it takes time. And he wants to walk with us in that. The very, the very coolest, most profound single statement that Jesus gave around doubt came at the end of this passage. See, Jesus is with the disciples and he's telling them, put your hands right here in the wounds. I want you to feel the wounds. This is real. This is real. He's right there and he's telling them all those things. And then he gives one statement that, that is the statement for every single one of us in all of our doubts when it comes to our questions and our pushing away from Jesus. One thing that he leaves every one of these guys with, he says this. If you have anything here to eat, You know how profound that is? Hey, you got something here to eat? You know what he's saying to us? Ghosts don't eat breakfast. This is real. And I'm with you. And I'm determined and I am committed to walking with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it's going to start with breakfast. It's going to start with today. And then it's going to go into tomorrow. And as you keep coming to me and I keep laying my hand of healing on you, let's turn those wounds to scars. Scars that tell your story. Scars, scars that tell the story of forgiveness. Scars that tell the story of healing. Scars that can actually inspire somebody else in their healing process as we tell that story. But will you let me walk with you in it? Will you sit down with me and have a little something to eat? And let us move from there. Father, I want to pray that, that in the midst of, of the, the, the questions on our heart, in the midst of the, the, the struggle on our heart, in the midst of the times that we're pushing away from you, in the midst of the times that we are protecting ourselves by, by pressing away from you, God, I pray that you would help us to see that that's the very heart that you care the most for and that you just want closer to us. Help us to recognize that you know wounds and you also know healing and you also know the power of redemption. You know the power of being made whole. God, we pray that we would be in on that journey with you and that we would have, you would give us the courage and the patience to be in that journey with you towards healing and hope. It's in your name we pray, amen.